Welcome to Back of the Grid, the Formula One podcast that generally lives up to its name in real life. But more on that later. I am your host this week, Tom King, and I am joined as always by Chris Evans. Hello. And Stu Greenwood. Hello, Tom. Hello. I am Stu this week. You are Stu this week. (laughs) No Darren's to be seen. No No confusing Carlos this week. (laughs) And we weren't on the Back of the Grid era, I'll have you know. I know you weren't. I said generally lives up. Not yeah, well, exactly. Careful. The exception. Careful. <laughs> <laughs> Q1 knockouts, let's, let's say. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but we'll come to that later, as I said. <laughs> Alonso failing to qualify for Indy 500. That's probably the easiest place to start because just, wow, what is going on at McLaren? Um, for those who aren't aware... <laughs> Alonso was plagued with issues all week in practice. Um, Day one, they had electrical issues, which meant he did barely any running. That was Tuesday, I believe. Um, Wednesday, which was day two, he then crashed, which meant he missed the rest of that session. Quite a hefty crash into the high side wall. And then that led down to a nose first dive into the tie wall at the bottom of the oval um then didn't run at all on day three due to huge issues with the rebuild of the car and some engine issues and it basically meant that on friday day four of testing they had to run an entire four-day program in the space of a session um <laughs> and it did not bode well he was 31st which meant he was just outside the 30 car cutoff for qualification um and then in the bump day which is done the next day the next three cars go through and he was fourth out of the cars in that bump session so he didn't make it there either yeah so there were a total of 36 entries right and only these 36 entries all together that's right yeah so the initial 30 go through uh the top nine do the shootout for pole the rest qualify between 10th and 30th and then anyone that didn't make the top 30 goes through to the bump day which is where the the top three of those non-qualifiers then get onto the back of the grid in 31st, 2nd and 3rd. So of the six remaining that didn't qualify, three of those go through? Yes. Yeah. So the three in question uh, were Sage, Karam, James Hinklish and Kyle Kaiser. Uh, and then the three that didn't go through with uh, was Alonso, obviously, Patricio Award and Max Chilton. So a couple of Carlins there as well. Not Not really a good day for the Brits that day. No. McLaren and two Carlins out and Max Chilton out along with Alonso. So. Although um, Pippa Mann did qualify and she was the one who just missed out on bump day last year. So As did Good both Jack Harvey and Jordan King as well. They both went through. Yes. Not, I wouldn't say comfortably. They were 25th and 26th. Yeah, but, but they're there. They're in the they're race. There. They're mm. in there. John King's first year over there as well. More comfortably than Alonso. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, Mark Erickson didn't do too bad either. That's his it's his first attempt, and he was either twelfth or thirteenth. Yeah, he was, was well up. Yeah, so he looked good. Oh. So some interesting names to keep and look out for, even if Alonso isn't there. In my opinion, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's just really poor, though, isn't it? It's really poor. It's, 
yeah, I'll tell you why McLaren didn't go through because they're not an IndyCar team. They're a Formula One team and they sent all of their staff from the UK to do it with without that many IndyCar staff help from no. existing IndyCar teams. So they were always going to struggle. It seems bizarre that they thought they could do it without that much assistance. Uh, yeah, to again, this might be something that's not wider knowledge, but this year, rather than running with an existing team and branding an existing team's car, what McLaren have decided to do is run their own car and do it all for themselves, which a lot of people are pointing the blame at. Um, McLaren themselves are pointing the blame at that, to Mm -hmm. be honest. Um, Did you see the thing earlier today about them potentially trying to buy another driver's seat out that Alonso said completely no to? Yeah. The the whole team are totally against that. Yeah, there's no way that'll happen. I'm amazed that's even an option, to be honest. It's, yeah, it's ridiculous if it is an option. Well, they, they said themselves that they, they, they'd never do that because anyway, it just means anyone could show up and do that and they yeah. want to earn it. And the fair play to them, to be, you know, like um, I'd be very disappointed if they did buy a drive and they didn't yeah. and they've come out straight away to say that's absolutely not what they're going to do. So yep. absolutely the right thing to do there. Morals are on point, at least, even if they're... Um strategy and team setup isn't yeah i mean to, to be fair i think if if they'd actually been quick and then had some kind of qualifying disaster that dropped them out maybe they'd have considered it but as it is they'd have been paying to probably be last like yeah there's yeah, no exactly. point paying to be on a grid if you've already got a slow car mm. yeah that's an interesting it's... thought actually isn't it I wonder if they would. Yeah. Have, I wonder if they would say if they would be running around in tenth or something like that, or or had been in the top ten, and then there's a disaster on the last day. Then yeah, maybe you could it's sort of worth understand doing. it. The yeah. thing is, though, if if they had gone ahead with it, it would have been buying somebody out of their seat and putting Alonso into it. So it would have been a seat in whatever team they took it from. It wouldn't uh, have been really? replacing the team with their, their car. Uh, it would have been like going to Pensk and replacing one of the Pensk drivers or going to Andretti and replacing one of the Andretti drivers. Uh, okay, interesting. So that was, and that was one of the reasons that Alonso was saying, like, I guess the rest of the team as well, but Alonso specifically was one of the key ones saying, I don't want to buy somebody else's seat because no. they've got their own merit. It's not fair, which is right. Yeah, to yeah. yeah, okay, to a degree. I mean, if you if say I don't know, say um, one of the top boys had been in the McLaren for whatever reason, and Alonso had been in one of the top cars instead, then we if, if it had been predetermined that Alonso was going to have that seat and he was going to swap with someone else, then would we be saying, oh? If he, if Alonso had been in his own car, he wouldn't have qualified. That's I've got a problem with that. You know, would, would is that what would be saying? I don't know. And is that that much different from if he bought a seat in an Andretti? It just doesn't feel like the right way to be going about it. Regardless, though, like no, true, yeah. Getting a car, qualifying it, racing it. Like if you're not fast yeah. to be qualifying, you're not in the race. Surely that should be how it lands. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm just playing devil's yeah. advocate. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. maybe the worst of their issues across the weekend was I think it was the final practice before the bump day session and they'd got the setup so badly wrong that the car was just bottoming out massively through all the mm. corners. So he barely even had a final practice before that final session. So it's no wonder he didn't get through. I mean, they even yeah. went to the extent of, I think they went to Andretti and basically Andretti gave them a setup and I think some like different dampers and stuff to try and 
yep. to help them sort the car out, which meant Alonso went out in that final session driving a car that's set up in a way he had never driven before. Yep. I think Pensk helped them as well. They were, yes, they were I think Both Andretti did. and Pensk were involved in trying to help them sort the car. Yeah. So hats so. off to Alonso for getting in a car that he's essentially never driven in that setup before and immediately going out and doing like 227 miles an hour in yeah. it. But yeah. yeah, it's it's such a mess. And there's already been a bit of fallout as well. Um, Bob Fernley, who used to be Force India's deputy team principal, was there at McLaren kind of running the IndyCar uh, program. Yeah. Um, and he's now parted ways with the team the day after they were dropped oh, out, yeah. which is... Yeah, yep. I just don't. I don't think you can blame one person for it at all. I don't think that that feels like scapegoating a little bit to me. If he's it, he's getting it the is a little. That. I think one of the things that was highlighted for me is how little the teams really prepared until it's come round to the Indy Five Hundred. Like they've done. I think it was one testing session in um, Texas. Texas. Was it? Yeah, I think. Yeah, so. yeah. and that's it. Like, but even that the teams are running the car either, all they? season. Mm. It's, yeah, it's it did it does seem weird that they just show up at Indy with a car, done very little yeah. testing, and expect to be competitive. It's, it all seems very short sighted to me. Yeah, but yeah, very definitely. Much so. You know, I, I'm not a Formula One team manager or a top end motorsport team manager, so I don't have the same. What do we know? Yeah, what do I know? <laughs> With that, um, we had a question in from Stephen Barlow as, as well, saying, uh, since Nando didn't qualify for the Indy 500, will he be back at McLaren sooner or will he go full-time in Indy? I think by being back at McLaren, he's maybe meaning in the F1 seat. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I don't see that either. I don't, no, I think he's made his bed now, unless, unless uh, one of the drivers really starts dropping the ball, which neither of them look like they're going to do so far this season, then... the. He shouldn't have, look if he wants to go back to McLaren, he shouldn't have quit McLaren in the first place. Yeah, as simple as that. He should have kept his F1 drive. I've got a feeling that he, he might be getting to the end of his tether with McLaren in general, to be brutally honest. I with think you. so as well. I think part of him probably never wants to step in that building again, let alone step <laughs> in one of their cars. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. really think he might be done with them after this. Like, don't get me wrong, the, the, the crash was realistically well, I, I guess you can't say for definite, but. You know, some responsibility will likely lie with him for the crash, but the rest of everything that's gone on around it, he can't really be held responsible for. Um, no. And I think he's probably done the best with a bad scenario that he can do. So, yeah, I, I can just see him losing his rag, really, and, and mm. kind of throwing in the towel because he goes to a team like Toyota in Le Mans and suddenly... He is performing because the machinery is with him, and you know we know he performs when he's got the machinery with him from his yeah. time in F one. Well, so this is it. Like this is what I don't understand about the whole thing. Why didn't he just go? Why didn't they just go back to it? If he really wants to win this triple crown, and he's already come close to winning the Indy five hundred with, or, or he's been very competitive at least in the Indy five hundred with other teams who've run the Indy five hundred before. Why not just go back to them and get a drive with them in the first place? Why try? Yeah. Why stay with McLaren? Like it's. It all seems like a, just a, a massive marketing exercise gone horribly awry. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Um, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if he starts trying to make inroads with some of the bigger indie teams to do a full season next year. I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. 
I think that's the only logical like way you it. can go. It's the only logical yeah. way you can go mm. at this point. You can't stay with McLaren. They're not an indie team. They're not. They're never going to win the. McLaren aren't going to win the Indy Five Hundred <laughs> in the next <laughs> few years, unless unless some miracle happens. You can't rock up to yeah. a race like that with a with a car you barely run and expect to be competitive. It's absolutely exactly. bonkers. It is. It is bad. <laughs> I don't it's know like, where it's like an, yeah it's so crazy it's like it, there's uh, no other thing to put about it that is literally like it is that mad like, yeah. it's like an indie car done. team it's like an indie car team building themselves an f1 car and turn up in monaco yeah. and thinking they can win it yeah. like it's, it's never exactly gonna happen yeah like can that. you can is you it? imagine if Penske or andretti just suddenly rocked up with a formula one car and, and was like yeah we're gonna come and win monaco like okay <laughs> i mean <laughs> you know what you say that one day i'd love to live in a world where some customer team could show up with a car and win a race that'd be a great day if that do you know happen. what there's yeah. more chance of that happening than there is of mclaren going into a series they're not competing in and winning at the minute <laughs> that's for sure yeah they will yeah maybe yeah they'll, they'll be entering a le mans car next <laughs> and ruining that race well <laughs> when the when the lmp um rules change and they go to the kind of hypercar version in a few years time mclaren are already talking about it so yeah that'll, that'll be another thing for them to go and not win <laughs> yeah at risk of taking this all the way to grumpy old man i have my skepticism yeah. as to whether those rules will even materialize at this point but that's a whole other sport and podcast probably so yeah that's yeah. that's a whole thing Good opportunity to yeah. move on then, I guess. Yes, let's move on. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, to positive news, uh, Billy Monger has achieved his first single seat of win uh, since his accident a couple of years ago with a win in the Power GP. Um, it's the second round of the Euro Open formula and it leaves him sixth in the standings after four rounds, so two rounds at each location so far. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah. Um, did you see any of it? Yeah, it was down to a really good strategy call, wasn't it, ultimately? Um, if you've seen more of it than me, you might want to lead this one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I watched. I managed to find time to watch the race today. Um, and, uh, yeah, the very, very... So they're lining up on the grid, and it's starting to rain. And um, he led... A, I think he was the first car to go into the pits. And the, the yeah. interesting thing about the pits at POW is um, they run, the entry runs alongside the starting grid. So he actually had to drive cast past cars that were in their grid positions to get into the pit so moved ahead of other cars um on the racetrack which is quite interesting to see but obviously in a still in a pit lane but like there's no wall separating them everything like that um so he he went straight in the pits um and he's actually having a massive argument with his uh with his engineer as well on the radio saying he's he's telling the engineer it's wet it's wet and the and the engineer's like no it's dry stay out stay out and he just made the call all by himself he made the call nice. and he was like no i'm coming in and he did it, and it, it won him the race. It absolutely won him the race. And he was on fire on those tyres as well. He was unstoppable. And he, he, he had to really work for it because there was a safety car after he'd got the lead. He got the lead as the result of a crash between the two leaders. And um, when he did take the lead, that caused a safety car. So then he had to defend for the rest of the race. Another 14 laps to, to keep the win. So... Um, yeah, Impressive. he smashed it. He absolutely smashed it. I had a tear in my eye when I saw him on the podium, and hmm. he was yeah. he was over the moon as well. You've never seen someone oh, so honest. I could I could cry. I really could cry now talking about it. He <laughs> was, was absolutely beside himself. Like you, you, you've never seen such emotion in a race driver before. It was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. It's just the best story, isn't it? Mm. Um, yeah. 
For those of you who don't know what the Pale Grand Prix is, because I wasn't 100% certain, it's kind of like Macau, where it is a round of Formula 3 usually, but it's kind of an event in and of itself. And I think they have like a bigger grid and stuff. Um, and yeah, like past winners are like Giovinazzi, Rosenquist, um, Giotto, Grosjean, Hamilton, Davidson, yeah. Montoya. It's It's one of those sort of races where people who do well there tend to go on to bigger and better things. So yeah, super cool to see though. Yeah, there was also a mad GT crash there, a Macau-style GT crash. Mm-hmm. Did you see that? No, I have not seen that. They um, so it was one of the GT races. Uh, it was they were coming over the line to start the race in a rolling start, and um, someone shunted into the side of someone else, which took his rear wheels out, and he started spinning across. Like it was somewhere in the middle, towards the sort of front quarter of the middle to front quarter of the pack, and. Um, it literally just caused a massive pile up down the pit straight mm-hmm. all relatively like, quite high speed as well. They all had to like, sort of get the anchors on and slow themselves down. Um, I don't think anyone was injured. I mean, it was fairly, uh, you know, they, they were in GT cars, so they're all quite well protected. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a fairly clumsy looking accident. Um, they always are in those scenarios, aren't they? they like the Macau accidents can look really clumsy when they're not yeah. necessarily, but they do look it. Because of how yeah. tight it is, there were one or two in the in the uh, in the in the Formula Three race. There was one or two. There was one. The, the, the hairpin at the it's, I think it's turn three is so tight that if you go down the inside of someone there, and it's wet, it's so easy to just understeer into the barrier on the other side of the racetrack on your way yeah. around <laughs> the hairpin, and that's exactly what happened, which caused um, a whole other sort of. I, th- I don't think that was a safety car, that one. I think they all managed to reverse out of each other's backsides and carry on around <laughs> the track. But, um, yeah, it was like a free... That was a free car sort of blockage in the road. But luckily, they got going again before the rest of the pack came came around because they'd, it was not long after the f- first safety car. And um, it meant that, obviously, the pack was still quite close together, so they didn't have to uh, stop the race. But, yeah, it was... <laughs> It, it was a crazy race. Really, really good race to watch. I re- it's on YouTube, and we'll have to post a link to it on uh, on the website. Yeah, definitely. It's a full race on, on YouTube. Yeah, full race on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize a full race was. I'd only seen like the highlight bits to do with obviously Billy, but I didn't realize the full thing was on there. So I'll, I'll have to check that out myself. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll set it your way, buddy. <laughs> Thanking you. Um, moving towards uh, Formula One news, uh, Jamie Chadwick has joined Williams as a development driver. So uh, Jamie takes on um, what was previously Susie Wolf's role that she had until she retired. Um, it means that she'll be at three Formula One events for, um, I believe they're FP1 drives, but I've not seen anything 100% confirming that yet. Um, but she will be at three events for Williams throughout the F1 season. Um, she's had another decent weekend as well in Zolder, coming second to uh, Bitska Vissa, um, which puts her, oh, it helps her keep the lead in the W Series title race, uh, with Vissa six points behind her in second. So, could be an interesting season that uh, another interesting race. I thought, I don't know if either of you saw the W Series this weekend. Yeah, it was. Other than the chaotic start, it was a pretty exciting race, actually. Yeah. Didn't see um, it, I'm afraid. <laughs> Again. It, was, it was kind of nice to see Jamie Chadwick not just run away with this one as well, yes. because after the first race, it kind of looked like she might just dominate this series. But um, 
it looks like there's a couple of other drivers that can uh, stand up to her. But um, yeah, it's super cool to see her getting that Williams role. Um, there are, because I, I think Claire Williams has been at both of the W Series races so far. She was at the very least at the one in Hockenheim. Yes, she's um, definitely at Hockenheim. I can't remember if I saw so, her this one. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like there's a, there's a lot of debate over whether W Series will actually achieve its goals or not. But um, I mean, this is definitely one one big tick in its favour, isn't it? Oh, for sure, yeah. Like, I think that the the very level playing field of the cars themselves is definitely helping. Like, the the difference being the fact that um, the cars are all run by the series rather than... Because obviously yeah. you get spec series, like, you know, F2 and F3 are spec series, but the teams are still running their own cars, whereas all these cars are run by the series. So I think it brings them even closer together, which means the racing feels a little more wheel to wheel and the the gap between the drivers feels closer, but based more on the talent of the driver behind the wheel, um, which I think is an awesome thing. And they fixed the fact that you couldn't tell who was who, I noticed. Yes. (laughs) By moving the way that the names are positioned and making them much bigger and much more obvious to see, which was well appreciated by myself. And sticking massive flags on the end plates and stuff like that. Um, Yeah. Which was nice to see. They there was one massive complaint about the first race, and they went, "Oh yeah, we'll, we'll just fix that. We'll just do it." Mm. Which I guess is the beauty of everything being run by the series themselves. I can just say, "Oh, we'll do this." Then there's no like yeah. we need to get in all the team managers and have a debate and come up with a solution between uh, us. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they got the names up the nose cone now, haven't they? And then down the side, sort yeah. of above the side pod, looks pretty cool actually with the way they've changed it. I think, but. Um, cool. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd honestly implore anyone that's not actually giving it a chance yet to go try and put some time aside to watch one of the races. They're like 30 minutes plus plus a lap, so for the sake of half an hour of your time, yeah. I think it's definitely worth going and checking yeah. them out. I should say, I, I, I do give it a chance. <laughs> I haven't oh, watched no, I'm not, it. I'm not for, saying you uh, specifically because I know no, I know, I know, I know, but I just, I'm I just, just don't want people thinking... anybody else out there who's not yet. <laughs> yeah, I just don't want people to think I'm this chauvinistic pig who won't watch women <laughs> in racetrack, in race cars, that's all. No, I am, I'm keen to, I am keen to watch it. I'll watch, if it's if it's got four wheels and it's going around a track, I'll watch it anytime anyway. Precisely. It's, 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 it's up my street, it's just... I've not. I guess the reason I haven't watched it is more because I've been, I've either been busy with work or whatever, or I've been, I've just been doing other stuff. So it's not, and it's not. I've, I must admit, it's not really on my radar. If I'm completely honest, unless but, you happen to be watching Channel Four and see the adverts for it, it's not, yeah, particularly massively advertised. This yeah, is I, a, I guess you kind of have to be looking out for it and know yeah. when the races are, like, or following the series, um, yeah. I, I guess, because it's not massively advertised. But, but then, you know what? I, I could say exactly the same thing about touring cars. Like, I, I could yeah, flick exactly, over to, you know, yeah, I, to, to the this channel that shows touring cars, and I'll watch that all day long if I'm not doing anything. Yeah. I'll happily sit there for a whole day and watch touring cars and all the, the race events that they do. But again, you know, I just it's not fully on my radar. I have to be a loss for something to do for that to happen whereas i will make time to watch formula one and i'll probably i'd probably yeah. make time to watch formula e as well yeah just a, just a little insight into my uh <laughs> habits for you there Stu's <laughs> <laughs> tv guide everybody yeah. <laughs> uh, moving back towards formula one now racing point will be bringing what is practically a new car 
as soon as Germany, they hope. Um, so the crux of this is that they're moving wind tunnels. They've Up until now, they've been using Toyota's wind tunnel in Cologne, and they are moving to using Mercedes's wind tunnel in Brackley, which <laughs> must be better for so many reasons logistically uh, and yeah. allow them to do so much more. Um, but the... Slightly scary thing, I think, is them saying that they're completely changing the area philosophy of the car, but they feel that to implement that as soon as possible is less detrimental to the season than sticking with what they've got, which means, fingers crossed, they've maybe found something that will... Because they've, they've been a little nowhere in that midfield battle so far, haven't they? Mm. Well, and they're not doing too badly. They're, what, they're up in, aren't they up in fifth or sixth for the championship? They're doing okay, but I don't think they're doing as well as we expect them to. It's probably more one I'm getting yeah. at. Yeah, they are fifth at the moment. So yeah. they're not doing terribly. Like we, I understand we, we do expect them to do a little bit more. Probably like expect them to be maybe a little bit. I think they've just had really low-key performances, and, and Lance Stroll's not really done a massive amount in that car either. It's been all Perez, hasn't it, really? Yeah. So I think it's more of a driver thing than it is a... Uh, than it is a car thing. But what I will say is to be using Toyota's wind tunnel in Cologne seems like a terrible idea because we all know how rubbish Toyota were back in the, back in the <laughs> yeah. day. Um, <laughs> and the the other thing I'd say on it is that to it, it, it's being a different wind tunnel, you, you're always going to get different results from... You could put the same model in two wind tunnels, and yeah. because of the way they work, you're going to get different results. Um, so now probably is a good time to adopt a new aero philosophy because you're not going to be chasing the old one. You can just start yeah, fresh with a new wind tunnel, and and not worry. So if this if the scale of the model you can put in this new wind tunnel is bigger, then absolutely it's 100% the right time to change the philosophy if that's what you're thinking of doing because. Once you change the scale of the model, again, the air behaves so differently. It's like it's almost like you're making... If you put a half-size model of a Formula 1, then the atoms of air hitting it, are, you have to look at them as like 50% bigger, in a way, yeah. so they'll behave differently. Yeah. Um, because the surfaces are all much shorter, and obviously you can't change this. You can only change the scale of the model... And the speed of the wind, you can't actually change the size of an atom. So you're never <laughs> going to get a hundred percent, unless you can. And if you can get in touch, we'll uh, we'll all become rich. Sometimes but, it feels like Mercedes might have already found a way to do that and kept it quiet. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm 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 going off a little bit, but yeah, um, it's a good time. The upshot is a very very good time to change philosophy if that's what you're going to do, and if that is yeah. what they're doing. Yeah, essentially they're aiming to have these significant changes in for Germany, maybe Hungary at the latest. Reason being is it gives them time to run them on track before the summer break. Um, and then you can come back from the summer break and make any adjustments, I guess, that you've yeah. that you've, that you've managed yeah. to kind of study over that what time a, period. I know, what, I know they're not allowed to work on the cars themselves as such, are they, during the summer break? But I'm sure yeah. there's certain things that they can do that they will definitely yeah, be up for to. for sure, yeah. Well, what I love about this as well is just how aggressive it is in, in terms of, you know, we want mm. it just it's just a, such a statement of intent. You know, we are here to yeah. win. We are here to be the best we can be. Um, we we want to beat everyone. So, you know, let's get behind them and, 
and let's get behind let's get behind our team and do our thing you know like it's 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 a it's a strong move i like it it is especially to yeah. announce it as well they could have just kind of quietly yeah. turned up with some new bits but to actually say we're coming in germany with basically a new car it's it's a bold statement yeah yeah and I guess coming back to when Stu was saying they they are actually fifth above the likes of Haas and Alpha and and Renault. Um, to a lot to lose. not be satisfied, it shows that they're not satisfied with that, and they want to be ahead of McLaren as well. They want to be like kind of knocking on the door of Red Bull, like they have in previous years. Like they really want that back, and to not be content with where they are shows that there's that drive and that passion to. Mm you know, to push on and, and see if they can have a strong second half of the season. Well, we're not that yeah. far yet, but, you know, yeah. a strong back end of the season. One might say that they're trying to make a point. A racing no, point? No, I wouldn't say that. I actually think what's um, more likely is that they know they're only in that fifth place because... Haas and Renault are massively underperforming and yeah. in reality yeah. they're probably more like 7th or 8th so yeah. also yeah. possible yeah. yeah yeah. I alluded to it at the beginning of the show and we did talk about it a little bit last week um, but Chris and Stu were part of Karoon's karting event this weekend Carnival Karoon's karting carnival we were indeed yeah, um, at the uh, Wilton Mill Circuit in Northampton, which is an amazing circuit. It was it's like a, it's 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 a proper karting yeah. circuit. Like they have. Yeah, when, when we got there, there, I said to you, Chris, this is an absolute facility. <laughs> it was. It was a proper was a, facility, and we yeah. immediately felt out of our depth. Yeah, massively out of our depth. It was just like the most awesome day. There was. Across two heats, it was over 300 people there karting um, in sort of teams of three or four. Obviously, only me and Stu were there. So Karun went through his phone book and he found us a third team member in the uh, shape of a very nice man called Elliot, who is part of the Williams F1 team. So he was our uh, third <laughs> driver for the day. And yeah, we, we, we I, I am like moderately pleased with how we held up. It was, uh, the yeah. heats were 24 cars each. Um, we qualified 19th and finished 19th i mean we didn't lose any places well yeah, that, we that's didn't... that's respectable i think yeah and we weren't last we weren't at the back of the grid we weren't last we didn't finish the race last and we didn't lose any positions in fact we were running 10th at one point which was when elliot was driving um, <laughs> and, it, and it was it was during it was during a pit stop phase as well so we you know we can't complain too much i thought our cart wasn't great <laughs> I always have that complaint when I go karting. <laughs> well, we discussed at length how we didn't think our cart was great. And then just as me and Stu were leaving, I went back into like the uh sort of main room where they got a big live timing screen and bumped into Elliot and I was like, Oh, how's uh how's our cart doing in this second race? Um and he pointed the screen, it was running second. Um and he said it turns out we were just <laughs> it, it was raining though it was raining at that point it, it was raining, raining at that so point so it just it just happened like and everyone like so in the second race it just started pouring like probably 20 minutes 30 minutes into the race just around the first batch of pit stops and um <laughs> all these people went out in the carts just into this like rainstorm they'd not driven the cart <laughs> since like practice and the practice session for that race was pretty hairy anyway, I thought. There was a lot of rough yeah. and tumble, elbows out, kind of people 
going backwards and all sorts. And um, yeah, as soon as it started to rain, there were carts going through barriers. <laughs> it was just like <laughs> absolute chaos. Yeah, there was one corner where that like that many carts had gone off. It had basically just ripped all the grass off, and there was just like mud left behind. At one point, there was. I swear there were more carts off the track than on the track. It was absolute chaos. But it was yeah. good fun to watch. I'm glad yeah, we but, were in the dry. Yeah, and you could see, actually, the guy who was going around in the lead of um, of the second race, because we watched it from like up above, so we could see the whole track. And um, the guy, you could just see in his driving style just how much better he was than everyone else. I think he was like 10 seconds ahead of like the second place car by the time we were about to leave. Is that right? It was Something really like quick. that, yeah. You could see him like leaning over the car, like leaning out of the car around the corners, leaving, leaning out of the corner, sorry, rather than into, because the mistake a lot of people make is they lean into the corner when they're driving a car and that actually loses your grip because you want your weight, to, you want to push those outside gripping tires further into the road. and So you need your weight over the top of those tires. And um, that's what he was doing in the wet. You could, you could really vis- visibly see him leaning over it. And it was just so much quicker than everyone else. It was, it was really interesting to watch. A good case study into how to drive a car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas we were case studies in how not but, to drive a car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was the next thing to say. Um, but it was thoroughly enjoyable. Um, a big thank you for Karun for A, helping us sort out uh, our um, driver in the 11th hour and um, B, just putting on the event in the first place. It's absolutely epic. We'll definitely be back next year because it was brilliant. I recommend trying to yeah, get down think- there. I think this is the eighth year, I think, eighth or ninth year he's he's done this now. And I, I think he just organizes the whole thing himself. Um, and it raises a crazy amount of money for charity. Um, yeah, it's just an amazing day. It was so much fun. And massive thanks yeah. to Elliot as well for joining us with pretty yeah. much, I think, Karun sent him a text message like the night before saying, are you free fancy coming karting? I've got a couple of <laughs> chumps who need a third driver. <laughs> Um, the other thing we should say, we should mention the charity as well, um, that because they've been doing it for sort of eight years or so, Karun was saying that they, um, the, it's a children's charity and they help disadvantaged children in India and um, started it eight or so years ago. And the kids that the money from the charity goes to um, are just sort of all starting to get jobs now. And some of them are earning more than what their parents ever earned in their careers. So it's absolutely insane the difference they're making to these kids' lives. Like it's it's a really, really, really good cause. So yeah. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Awesome. With that, should we move on to Monaco, gentlemen? Let's. Let's. A place with maybe slightly fewer crashes than there were at the uh at the Unless car. Unless it track. rains. Unless it rains. <laughs> <laughs> so key storylines for Monaco. Number one, will Bottas be able to keep up the tit-for-tat results and keep Hamilton in his sights? Looking at Bottas's previous results in Monaco, probably not. He's never gone amazingly well there in the past. Um, yeah, he was down in fifth in qualifying last year and he finished yeah. the race also in fifth. Um, 18 seconds off the lead. Um uh, yeah, he's, my, he's, my honest opinion. I mean, but then we're looking at the different Bottas this year, though. Yeah, true. So Very true. I'd, I'd love to see him pull it out of the bag. I'd love to see him uh, retake the lead of the championship. Oh, me too. Um, my deep, d- my heart says yes. My head says no. How about that? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Essentially, though, we're not, we're not necessarily talking about winning exactly. We're just saying 
being able to keep Lewis within grasp. So that might not mean a win, but finishing ahead of Lewis. So yeah. our next topic being Verstappen, maybe seeing a win somewhere like that and Bottas is at least second and ahead of Lewis. So do you think he's able to outperform Lewis in general, regardless of the actual finishing positions? Do you think he could outperform Lewis? At Monaco, I would say no. My head would say no in Monaco. Then again... Bottas has been the better qualifier of the two so far this season. And if you can out-qualify him on the Saturday, that's like most of the job done for the Sunday, isn't it? It's yeah. a good proportion of it at Monaco, isn't it? Yeah, mm. absolutely. Mm. Um, I hinted at it. The next part is, can Verstappen finally have a clean weekend at Monaco? So mm. the last three mm. years, I think it's been, he's had some sort of incident in whether it's the race or FP3 or qualifying, there's there's always been something that's put a big sort of black mark against this weekend and it's some way ruined it. Um, do we think he can finally string a weekend at Monaco together? I think he's going to be feeling a lot of pressure this I weekend. I think he can. I See, I don't. I really don't. Like, this is do always not. earmarked as Red Bull's race to win. And... Obviously, for the last few years, that's been one of the two of them, whereas this year, it's pretty much that pressure is all on him. Um, I, yeah, I think we're going to see him in the look, wall again, honestly. At, I don't I don't agree. I think we're going to... I think he's going to get it together this year. He's, he's been a lot more mature all season than he has been yeah. last year. He's, had, he's, he's shown on, on a few occasions where he would have probably caused a collision or, or, or spun or, or made a mistake this year. He's actually... He's... He's not done that when there's been ample opportunity to do it and he's come out sort of shining. And I think there's a really, really big opportunity for him to do the same thing here this weekend. So I think he's gonna I think he's gonna have a good weekend this weekend, Verstappen. I think well, he'll I, keep his nose clean. It'll definitely this weekend will definitely tell us if he really is the kind of new, more mature Max that we've been saying it looks like this season. If he can handle the pressure this weekend and come out of it with a good result, then I think, yes, he has definitely taken a step in the right direction on that. Yeah, I I think from my point of view, I'm with Stu in that if he hadn't had the season that he's had up to now of very clean and very calculated decision-making, then I don't think he'd have a clean weekend here, but because he has shown that new maturity and seems to be making much more wealth, although they're all made in a split second, his decisions seem to be much sort of bigger picture and he's thinking more about the long term rather than the immediate move. So I think because of that, he's got a much better chance at Monaco to string together a clean weekend, which kind of leads into the next thing as well of... Will Red Bull have an advantage like we've been used to seeing at Monaco? I think the lead that Mercedes have got at the moment is just too strong, and they were really, really good in the final sector at um, Barcelona as well. So I think, I think, uh, I know last week I said that um, Red Bull would be the team to watch, and I, I still feel like they probably are a bit of a team to watch, but. Again, my heart says Red Bull. My head says Mercedes, because they've just got—they're just so strong at the moment. I'm sort of glad you've said that because I've been going backwards and forwards on this all day, thinking about my predictions, and I've still not fully decided. Because yeah, Mercedes are just 
so good right now and they were faster than Red Bull in that last sector in Barcelona, which is all the twisty stuff. But then again, a car's going to be running a very different setup in Barcelona mm. to Monaco. So yeah, how much can you read into that? It's a tricky one. And it's, it's a very tires tricky as one. well. It's tires as well. Who can get those tires to work? That's what it's True. all about this season is getting those tires yeah. working. First half of the season, until they all update in Hungary and they get their heads around these tires properly, then I'm just going to keep saying tires over and over again <laughs> until someone agrees with me. Yes, tires. It's the softest <laughs> three that bring in here. So mm. you know, on paper, that'd be a bit easier to switch on. But yeah, it's not, it's not as simple as that, though, is it? Because the gauge is so much thinner that they're not. Yeah. They're not reacting the same way that did last season, which has caught everyone out. So, and Mercedes yeah. have been the only team to consistently be able to get the tire switched on, and that's and that is the key to their dominance at the moment. So, unless this these really really high for high downforce setups um, put a lot of uh, pressure on the tire, then I think they're all going to. I think I don't think things are going to change that much. And there's a lot of them are such slow corners as well that. Makes it yeah. even harder to get the temperature in the tyre. So I was about to say that I don't think there's enough stress put through them in terms of the circuit to get an advantage out of it that way either. Like you say, it's there's a chance with the way that the cars are now that the downforce generated might help, but I've got a feeling that people who have struggled with tyres already are probably still going to. I don't think that's going to change for anyone. No. Just because of being here. Mm. And just as a so, final curveball, there's them um, currently forecast a small chance of rain on Saturday. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, that's <laughs> what it needs. It does need that. It, it, a bit of rain on a Saturday can absolutely Mix things turn up this a bit. race into a, a beauty. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And same on Sunday as well. If there's a bit of, race, a bit of rain on Sunday, that'd be... That'd be that. There's nothing quite like a wet Monaco, is there? No, not really. No. Rookies, how do we think they will handle the tight streets of the Principality? That's a good question. I will give you some statistics on their previous escapades, if you like. Um, so Alban um, raced there in two F2 seasons. So finished fourth and sixth uh, in 2017. And then last season, he retired from both races. Russell raced there last season in F2 and retired from both races. And Lando... Um, let me find his. Um, he's finished sixth and then got on the podium in the sprint race, um, finishing third. So out of the lot of them, Lando's, I guess, had the best and most recent success there. But mm-hmm. do we think it could still... Do you think he's still going to be able to continue that? What about Gasly? Is Gasly? Gasly's not a rookie, is he? No. No. He's, he's a couple of years in now. Who's going to do better? Well, I mean, if you had to pick, what what's the question? Who we pick? Who's going to do best? Who's going to? Be well, the best how rookie? do we think? How do we think they'll handle the streets in general? Do we think we're going to see mistakes, walls, contact, or clean weekends? Oh, there'll be. I mean, if ugh, that's a really tough question. I've, I don't think it'll be clean. I've, I've, yeah, definitely someone will crash out of the rookies. I think if it's going to be anyone. It, probably going to be the low downforce Williams. They're struggling to get downforce on that. So Russell's probably, he's got the most difficult job in getting around that track. So if anyone's going to do it and it, it's going to be him and it's not necessarily because yeah. he's the worst of the rookies. It's just because he's, he's not in a, in a very strong car. So, you know, mm. you, you're going to have to keep an, he's going to have to 
sort of be really, really careful. And there's not an awful lot of spare parts either for that Williams. So uh, no, no, not at all. He's uh, yeah, he's gonna have a difficult. They're gonna have a really hard weekend, I think. Williams this weekend. I've dodged the question. Then again, yeah. this is also probably their best chance of scoring points this season. Well, yeah, like if they can, the if they can just hold out and stay in the race, you never know what's going to happen at Monaco. People could drop out all over That's the place. True. And they will, they will as well. This year, I think it'll be a, because the, cause the midfield's quite close together. So there's going to be an awful lot mm. of argy bargy. Yeah. Yeah. I think out of the three of them, I'd expect Lando to have the best weekend. Um, I don't know why. I, I think it's maybe the the recent success last season and just the fact that, in my opinion, he's probably having the best season out of the three of them so far as well. Um, not not to discredit what Albon's doing, but I just think Lando's got that little edge over him at the minute, personally. Mm. So, yeah, be, be interesting to see how the three of them do fare, though, now that they're in the, yeah. the top-end machine. Absolutely. It's a great storyline. It is indeed. And our last one for this week is another pretty interesting one. Uh, will previous winner Daniel Ricciardo be able to bring the best out of the Renault this weekend? I hope so. Yeah, again, it, very it's, much it's so. One of those, it's one of those cars where if uh, if he's going to do something, I mean, it's kind of a level levels the playing field this track a little bit in terms of sort of downforce and mechanical grip and kind of thing like it's a lot more about getting the tire switched on and he's be he's won here as you said so i think this is a race where ricardo could really really shine yeah yeah um you definitely expect him to outdo his teammates hulkenberg's never been amazing around monaco i don't think looking back at his results um yeah, it's it's another one where, like, as you say, it's kind of such a leveller. If he's going to be able to outdrive that car anywhere, it's going to be here, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I th- I'd agree with that. I think that he's a guy that generally goes well around here. He knows it well. He's won here, as, as we've suggested and reminisced back to. Um, he's won with failing machinery <laughs> by just holding yeah, people it- behind him. So he should have won I, it twice. He should have had two wins here. Yeah, he, he definitely should have had other results because we called last year Ricardo's redemption, did we not? Because of yeah, that. we yep. did. We did. So yeah. it, it felt very much like that. Um, so I think that it's a little bit like when it rains, isn't it? Being at Monaco, like a dry Monaco is almost like a wet race. Like a wet race kind of evens the cars out a little, and Monaco does to a, yeah. a certain extent because of. It at least takes the power element out of the equation. It's more about yeah. the, the chassis than the power. And, and the exciting thing about the race as well is that every every year, even from from lap one to 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 lap seventy or whatever it is, there's it's always feels so finely posed. Even even if there's not a lot of overtaking happening, anything can happen at any point. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes you know you do have a race where not a lot happens. We've had a few of those this year. And we might have one again. This uh, we might have hmm. one again at the weekend if uh, if it doesn't rain. But at the same time, it's still going to be an exciting one to watch. I think just because you'd never quite know. It's not over. Monaco is never over until it's until it's over. Until that checkered flag flies. I'm I'm trying to agree with you, but you you like Monaco so much more than me. <laughs> I do. I love it. You, they look so fast going around the streets. Like that, the walls That's... are so close. Any minor mistake. 
is so so badly punished and it's a real test of a driver and that's why i love it it's just so that's so why exciting. i love that's why i love qualifying at monaco yeah <laughs> they do look crazy quick in qualifying that's, that's true. yeah i've said before i'm sort of halfway between the two of you like i'm i'm always down for the event itself but I'm definitely more like just have. Can we not just have like four qualifying sessions and work out <laughs> who was fastest overall across them or something? Yeah, it's so, it's so much easier. So much easier. Or, or maybe Do we you... could just redesign the cars, make them much smaller, so that two of them can fit side by side. For <laughs> That'd <laughs> help. Yeah, minis, old yeah. school minis around Monaco. Race minis let's around do Monaco. It. Yeah, Formula <laughs> Mini. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Uh, teams to watch for this weekend. Who are we going for, gentlemen? Who do we think is worth keeping our eye on? Uh, you can go first, Chris. We've <laughs> kind of already said it, but if anywhere's going to suit the Renault in its current state, I think it's probably going to be here. Um, they're going to be definitely looking for a, a much better result here than they've had in previous races. But then again, they need to actually see the end of the race um, for that to happen, yeah, which is something it. I've struggled with a lot of the time this year. Um, yeah, uh, my my team to watch this week, is probably I think I'm going to go with Haas. I want to see if Haas can maintain the form that they had um, in Barcelona, um, and also their two drivers have just got an absolute ding dong going on at the minute as well. So that's that's been sort of that's been what I've been keeping my eye on through the races. Um, they weren't amazing in the final sector of uh, of Barcelona, so they might they might tumble down the order a little bit this race, but. Um, Still, all to play for in that midfield pack. So uh, if anything's going to happen, I think it's going to involve a Haas. Interesting. I'm sticking with the painfully obvious Red Bull, um, just because through free practice, we will possibly start to get an idea on if this has levelled the playing field enough for Max to be in amongst the top three comfortably and also where Gasly is maybe as well. Yeah. Um, I think the car will be less of a struggle for him, hopefully, by now. But mm. it could be make or break for him because if he starts having a bad weekend and in the wall a lot, then I am hate to say I think questions will be asked. So overall, I think my eyes on the Red Bull boys. Cool. That's good. That's um, good content. I kind of, <laughs> I kind of went um, into a bit more of a specific driver to watch there, didn't I? <laughs> by hmm. accident. Well, no, it's fine, though. That's fine. Yeah, it's not it's a- Gasly. It's Max <laughs> for me. <laughs> we know where I'm going with this. We know where this is leading. So, I'll do you want to do your? Yours. Do you want to do your driver to watch then? Max, <laughs> is that? Oh, yeah, right. That's it. You've done it. That's, that's right. it. Okay. I'm just saying, I'm Max. With you. That's right. it. Okay, I'm giving you the option, giving you the chance to to go elsewhere. But no, no, sticking. We know what's happening. Okay, um, <laughs> for me, the driver to watch this. We've not mentioned Ferrari at all this episode, so I am going to say. Change. Le- yeah, man, nice change. Um, I'm going to say Leclerc. I think, um, again, it's another really spicy battle between Leclerc and Vettel. And um, Leclerc needs to, can needs a bit of an uptick in form as well. He sort of feels a little bit like last race. He wasn't quite on the ball. So um, there's a real good opportunity here for him to uh, get back on the ball and um, sort of, you know, put on a good show for us. So, uh, yeah, that's that's my guy. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Kubica, actually. He is in desperate need of a good result, and Monaco has been a very happy place for him in his 
uh, in his sort of previous chunk of F1 career. He, I think it was 2010, he qualified second and finished on the podium. Um, he's always gone really well there. So if again, if it's going to be anywhere, it's going to be here for him, I think, at this point in the yeah. season. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one between those two, isn't it? Like, uh, it really is. If I guess, like, he's probably a bit more experienced around this track than Russell is, but he's been away for a long time. So, uh, that's, mm. I like your thinking, Chris. I do, I do like your thinking, but I just, I, I feel like Russell's gonna. Um, I feel like Russell's got the legs on him myself. But sorry to disagree. <laughs> Sided with Russell. That's all right. We don't have to agree on everything. <laughs> It's now time to put those sort of money where your mouth is kind of oh, predictions man. together. So I hate this. Yeah, I, I can I can save you the first couple of rounds if you want by just giving you mine because <laughs> <laughs> I did well, two weeks ago. Yeah, you called yours two weeks ago. In fact, I'm just, I'm just going to fill them in now. Tom's okay. saying Verstappen and he's saying Verstappen, right? Yeah, why not? Is, is, is that okay. what you're saying? Are you actually yeah, I'm doing it? I'm going I'm going right. to be ballsy and yourself. Do it. I like it. Chris, do you want to sell us your... Ye- no, I mean, not really. Oh, I. It's a hard head thing. I really... I'm saying Hamilton. I'm saying Hamilton, and oh, I'm going to regret you. it in a week's time. Who's who's doing this bit? Am I doing it, or are you doing it? Who wants to do it? <laughs> We're sort of both doing it. Both yeah, you can do it. it. Why you not? can do it. You can do it, Chris. <laughs> no, because it's going to get confusing. <laughs> Go on then, Stu. Who are you saying for... I'm saying, I'm saying Hamilton as well. Ah, am I? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I've written it in. It's in there. Ooh, are it you? changed. Yeah, I am. I am. Hamilton. He's, he's done it. He's done it. Uh, Tom, we've already got your winner, Verstappen. <laughs> uh, who's your winner, Stu? Uh, um, I mean, it has to be Hamilton. It has to be. Because I, I, I think he's just... He's a specialist around Monaco. I can't see Bottas beating him at Monaco. If Bottas beats Hamilton at Monaco... Then this season is going to be going down to the wire, I think. Yeah, you'd have to be bold to predict someone different from your qualifier for the win. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you'd which be is crazy, why I'm also saying Hamilton. Yeah, we're sort of giving the audience like all these tips here to, to on how to beat us. This is part of the reason we do so badly every week, and everyone else does so great because <laughs> they listen to this and they know how to win. <laughs> Listen to our don't full pick logic. Pick is yeah, yeah, that would, I would, yeah, listen to our drivel. <laughs> <laughs> then pick the opposite. Yeah. Um, Tom, can I have your first DNF? Um, I think that it's probably going to end up being a, a midfield pinch. So, ooh, I hate to say this, but I think it might be Perez. Funnily enough, I was just thinking about Perez. Um, however, I'm actually going to go for his teammate. So I'm going to say Lance Stroll. You do this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody picks someone, you go, I'll have the teammate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stu, who's your first DNF? Uh, I am going to say... It's hard. I don't think it'll be one of. The, part of me wants to go with one of the Williams because, like, as I said earlier, they're gonna they don't have all the downforce and it's gonna be a tricky car to drive. But they're gonna be so they're not gonna be in the pack. So I don't think and they they don't seem to have like really shaky moments. Those cars they just seem to be just generally slow. So I don't think they'll necessarily be first to uh, DNF. Um, I am going to go, it's going to be midfield, it's going to be somewhere like Magnus and Grosjean. I'm going to go Grosjean. 
Seems like a solid choice. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Thanks. Very Gro- Grosjean might appreciate that, but yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's probably my turn to go first, isn't it? Number of finishers. Yeah. What was it last year? Last year it was 17 last year. Only actually three retirements. Um, I think I'm with you, Stu. I think there's going to be a bit more chaos this year. So I'm going to say 15. I'm going to say 15. 15, sir. I've said 15. Strong, strong prediction. How about you, Tom? Um, hmm. I think I'm going to go 16 for this one. Hmm. Classic 16. Yeah. And Stu? Well, you've stolen my damn numbers, yep. you two. That's what happens. Uh, I am going to go... I'm t- I don't know if to go 14. I don't want to do the same as either of you. So it's either 14 or 17. <laughs> um, I think for the... Oh, the I'm going to go 17. I think 14 is too low. So I think it's more likely to be 17 than 14. So let's go 17. 17 it is. Uh, and then we just need a random driver, which this week is... Norris. Ooh, that's Lando a one. Norris. That's a very tricky one. That's for Monaco as well. That's super, super tough. Um, Can't even look at last year either because he wasn't in it. <laughs> I did help yeah, you a little, exactly. little bit earlier though with his F2 results. He's, yeah, he he's... did okay last year in the F2 car, but it's a different car what he's driving now. I would say are odds different. are fairly high that he'll finish the race at least, but... Um, I think he will finish as well. Who's going? Who's got to go first? Who's going first? Let's have let's have Tom first this time. You what? I went two weeks early. Um, <laughs> eighth, eighth, I went eighth. eighth. I like mm. it. Confidence uh, in him. Yeah, it's a lot of confidence, Stu. So, so Norris retired um, last time out in Spain. Didn't he? He had the collision with uh, Stroll. Um, yes. And where yeah. was he when he had that collision? He was quite. He was relatively mid-pack. Um, I am going to go. I think I don't think he'll be eighth. I think he'll be just outside the points. Going to say eleventh. Um, which is a strong result for a rookie in a McLaren at Monaco. That's kind of the ballpark I was thinking. I don't think the McLaren's going to be great this weekend, to be honest. I'm going to go for a you know, for 12th, one lower than you. Yeah. Well, Boom. well, there we go. There they are. Quite, quite a spread there. Um, yeah. Yeah, Makes yeah a that's, <laughs> that's what we think, which... He's probably not going to happen at all. So if yeah. you've got a better idea than us, uh, be sure to enter the predictions league at backofthegrid.com um, where you can put in your uh, predictions and win a prize if you get five out of five um, and yeah. almost certainly beat us. Yeah. But shall we move on? Well, it depends on if you found anything for the catering truck. <laughs> That's the question. <laughs> not not a lot, no. Oh. What do they eat in Monaco? What's the, what's the usual cuisine? The monogasque cuisine. I mean, 
It's probably caviar and champagne. Maybe some Anything oysters. Anything that costs money. <laughs> and lots of it. Caviar. The, the, the real answer is seafood, but that's boring. I suppose. Uh, they do a barbecuing. Um, that's a common dish. Um, it's found as an appetizer, mainly in the eastern part of the French Riviera and northern Italy. Um, it's a it's a kind of fritter stuffed with stuffed with Swiss char and ricotta, among other ingredients. It originates from Monaco, um, where it is especially on the national day, nineteenth of November. The word means Uncle John in Monegasque. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there what we go. Name. <laughs> See, that's a great John. one. Let's go and have some Uncle Johns in Monaco. <laughs> <laughs> is that like Papa John's but just a slightly that's, different that's not made up. I just want to say yeah that's not made up that's a real thing I, didn't, I just found that as you were here. that's real did we not find any offal for Chris to complain about this week no no, no, no offal this week, week. No. Not Mon- you're not going to get I don't think they do offal in, uh, in Monaco no, no offal in Monaco <laughs> they're not barbarians <laughs> oh, goodness. Why did I just say? I just, oh, just move us swiftly away from this and yeah. find out what yeah, people have yeah, sent yeah. to the in 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 inbox. <laughs> so, um, Chris, I think you've got one that we saved from last week just because we were running low on time last week. Yeah, we thought we'd save this because it's uh, it's an interesting one. It was it was a big old email, so I've kind of pared it down a little bit. Uh, but it's from Tom Austin Morgan, uh, who said he's been watching F1 since he can remember. Uh, my parents would never miss a race. I know the Schumacher years were incredibly predictable and there have always been one or two teams that always dominated until the rules changed, but I'm really starting to get turned off from the sport right now. Um, he said, thank God for Valtteri 2.0. I truly hope Tom's coding prediction comes true. Uh, which is, do you want to explain that again to us, Tom? Uh, just I see the pattern of Lewis, Lewis, Rosberg, Lewis, Lewis, Bottas. That was it, yeah. Uh, I hope prediction was true and that Valtteri can keep the pressure up and possibly win, but at this rate, if none of the other teams step up in the next couple of races, this could be the first season I give up on watching. Don't do it, Tom, don't go. Whoa, wow. Um, so the question... Strong. His question is, what's the solution? Do you think budget caps will really level the playing field? If they do that and the big constructors leave the race and will be closer, but I can't see Liberty and Sky being very happy about the massive drop in revenue. But then maybe that'll mean F1 will come back to free-to-air TV, but with close racing between the remaining teams and therefore up in viewership. What's the answer? Uh, God, so much. To, uh, um, what's the answer, guys? Fix Formula 1, please. <laughs> Fix Formula 1. Okay, I've got three things that um, that came to mind when I read that earlier. Okay. Um, my first one is remove depend... And these are bullet points, man. I'm like, I'm not... You, we could spend a whole podcast talking about this, so we need hmm. to keep it kind of, you know, succinct. Um, Maybe in the <laughs> summer we will. <laughs> my, yeah, exactly. My first, uh, my first bullet point is remove dependence on aerodynamic grip. I think there's way, way, way too much dependence on aerodynamic grip in Formula One. It is wrecking yep. the racing. Yep. Um, my next one is introduce uh, and police a spending cap. So that stops teams like Ferrari, Mercedes, Red Bull just absolutely making their own formula and everyone else being Formula 1.5. Um, they, how they, that is policed is up for debate. But They're getting well, towards it now. They're... The, the, I read a story today, I can't remember exactly who it was that said it, but said dis- the discussions on the budget cap have got to, they're disagreeing in the uh, the range of tens of millions rather than hundreds of millions now. So st- still wow. quite a big gap, but they definitely yeah. seem to be getting closer to agreeing. Getting something. there, that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, hopefully they... 
you can't have one team spending three, four hundred million on a season and the team at the back of the grid excuse the, the use of the term back of the grid the, the team they're doing spending less than sort of fifty million on a season. So I mean Haas I think only spend about thirty million, don't they? Like, it's not crazy mm. money that they're spending. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's my that's my other one. And then my third one, and I'm gonna leave it at three, is loosen up the qualifying tire selection rules. So what Ooh. I mean by that is stop forcing people to start the race on a particular tire, and um, don't make and also don't make them have to change um, tires. Don't make them use both compounds. Make them use whatever compound they want, and they can only they can just stay out on that compound if they want, and that'll generate racing because people adopt different strategies and. Um, you know, different drivers who can make the tyres last longer would have the option of going to the end of the race and they might pay the price later on. At least make it an option <laughs> to go to the end yeah. of the race on your tyres. Um, yeah. So that's, they're, they're my sort of uh, ideas. Um, fight me in the comments if you don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think money is a big one. Like, as well as them moving more towards a budget cap, they're also working on standardising a lot more parts now they put out a tender today i think for some of the fuel system parts they um want to have start standardizing and all these little the more standard parts you have the cheaper it is to design and build an f1 car which is only going to help the teams with less money to spend and you know but every person watching formula one isn't going to notice if everyone's running the same fuel line like it's going to make no difference whatsoever or like fire extinguishers, the classic example at the moment. Every team yeah. designs their own fire extinguisher for, for their car, which is ludicrous. Yeah, that is daft. It's all about that performance, though, bro. <laughs> um, so standardized parts. <laughs> what, what else? Any of us? I, th- I think you've hit the big two there. Really, it's it's money and it's aero. That's I yeah. think the the biggest thing that needs changing. Yeah, I think if you made changes to those two areas, then anything else that needs to happen on the back of that would start becoming more apparent. But I think those two changing significantly would probably at least be a start. Yeah. Oh, another thing that I forgot to put in the show notes, actually, because it kind of happened just after last week's episode. And we, I think we had a chat about it online at some point. Um, Formula One are using things like DRS to kind of patch over the problems right now. Uh, but Super Formula have just sort of changed oh, their oh, yeah. boost system um, so that rather than it being kind of a set circumstances at a set point on the track, their boost system, it kind of almost works like the original generation curves back in 2009 where there's a they have X number of seconds of boost throughout the race. Um, I think there's works by um, increasing fuel flow, if I remember rightly. But essentially, it's completely up to the drivers to use it whenever they want and for as long or as short as they want. But there's also lights on the cars that tell the other drivers when it's being used. So you can very visually see who's using the boost where and there's the lights change color when it's down to the last like certain number of seconds and things like that. It sounds like such a better way of implementing the overtake boost button system yeah i was saying originally when we started talking about that last week um it reminded me of a little bit of how curves used to work where you had a set amount per lap but you kind of use it however you wanted to and 
I don't necessarily agree with having like push to pass, and I don't necessarily agree with DRS that much to an extent because I think it's papering over cracks, like we're kind of hinting at here, but. I think the Kurz system was probably a better solution than DRS because at least you could attack where you felt stronger and maybe or maybe you felt you had a chance rather than being pigeonholed into this one particular part yeah. of the circuit. So it'd be interesting to see something like that maybe make its way yeah. back. Well, I think the, fi- the thing I'd say with DRS is it's, it's there out of necessity. You, you need DRS because these cars... They can't really follow each other through closes, so through corners very closely. So if you didn't have DRS, <laughs> you just wouldn't have any overtaking ever. Just on that point, there's been this trend on on the F1 subreddit recently for the last week of finding comments from old commentary of yeah, commentators basically saying it's really hard to follow in these cars, and I have you know it goes all the way back to Graham Hill saying it in the seventies. So we've been <laughs> saying it for like forty to fifty years now. <laughs> What, you mean since Aero <laughs> became a thing? Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Case Point proven, I think, there. But anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Like, you, you do need it in these cars. I think there is definitely a more imaginative way of applying DRS. Um, yeah. And I think that Super Formula looks like they might have cracked it. So it'd be interesting to see how that season pans out and see what the racing's like, and then maybe Formula One could keep an eye on it and um, yeah, definitely, you know, sort of take some inspiration from it. Yeah, the, the drivers there were all massively praising it after the first race they ran it, so mm. it's got to be a good sign. Yeah, they, they were saying, and the lights. So you mentioned the lights flash, don't they? When um, when they're using it, it goes yeah, so they can yeah. see when the other drivers are using it. It's similar to the two solutions you've got in oh, what is it now? GP2, uh, sorry, GP3 were using it. I'm not sure if F3 are using it now because they had a limited number of DRS users, didn't they? So you had the counter, yeah. the digital counter on the side of the car to tell you how many of those they had left. And then you've obviously got the thing on the halo as well, which is in Formula E, which shows when somebody's been through the attack mode zone and yeah. got the extra boost of power there. So I think things like that that are quite visually obvious of what's going on it, it not only highlights like a yeah. driver taking a glance in the mirrors the storm behind them is attacking but it's also very clear and very obvious to a viewer whether yeah. you're at the circuit or at home watching on tv it's yeah. it's very in your face this is what's going on right now so that it's far easier to follow yeah and the beauty of it is it puts a lot of the strategy into the hands of the driver as well you can yes. that driver can decide when and how they want to use that, whether they want to yeah. attack with it, whether they want to spend it all attacking, or whether they want to use it to defend. So, yeah, um, I'm I'm all for it, and I think there's nothing more visual than a big flap opening on the front of some on on someone's rear wing when you're behind them, is there? Hmm. So, you don't necessarily yeah. with Formula One, you wouldn't necessarily need flashing lights and bells and whistles no. to uh, a big klaxon going off to say he's using <laughs> DRS. Um, anyway, shall we move on to the next question? Because we don't have much time left. Owen Finley says, in the process of the Singapore Grand Prix on my F1 career mode, I remember just how dull last year's race was with everyone conserving their tyres. Will the new aero developments slash regulations this year reduce wear and allow the drivers to race each other? Keep up the good work. Thanks, Owen. We'll try. Um, The short answer is no. Yeah. Yeah. It... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I've 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 never had faith in Singapore being a good Grand Prix up until this point, and there's nothing that's going to change that this year. I don't yeah. think. 
I, I know it's, it's not the best yardstick, but I guess seeing how they run here at Monaco this weekend will at least give us an idea of true, how yeah. they run on a, a narrower street circuit that's yeah that's more of that kind of layout. But obviously, there's still different circuits in their own right. They produce different kinds of racing, but yeah, it's... Yeah. I don't hold so, out much hope. <laughs> I know it's negative, so, so, but it's a long old race, Singapore, isn't it? It's the longest race mm-hmm. on the calendar, which I, I don't think helps when you know it's got this bit a bit of a gets a bit of a bad rap for being a bit boring. But if it maybe if they shaved like I don't know twenty laps off of it, but this is the thing, isn't it? Monaco's got this special exception to the rule of being three hundred and five kilometers, and it's to make sure that it fits within certain times and stuff like that. So why is it that they've forced Singapore? And Singapore nearly every year comes down to, because we've had a safety car, we might not make time and it might go yeah. to, the, to the limit. Like, why not look into making that same exception to the rule that Monaco has? Because it's a it's a slow lap around a street circuit. I'll tell you why, Tom, because Formula One don't own that race. The Principality of Monaco own that race and they make their own rules. I oh, guess really? there is that. That makes I sense. Guess that. Yeah, and that's why every year when you see the the hoarding and stuff at Monaco Grand Prix, you'll you won't see much Rolex branding, but you'll see absolutely loads of Tag Heuer branding everywhere. Yeah, because Tag Heuer are the only one being title sponsor of Formula One's races or FOMS races. Um, they obviously they're everywhere in the form races but in the in in monaco because it's not owned by form they're not it's not part of the sponsorship deal so they it goes to uh it goes to tag Heuer. fun fact interesting it is a pretty cool fact uh vasco breitenfeld says uh, i'm a super fan of f1 it's literally where i want to work one day but now i have to for now i have to settle with watching races but this season i was just wondering what you guys look forward to most in order to keep yourself entertained during the races with Mercedes being dominant and Ferrari making a mess of themselves and the TV coverage not showing all the great battles in midfield, what is there to make you wake up at 5am to watch a race? I will wake up for all of them anyway, but I was just curious on your opinions. It's, um, yeah. Work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have a ready-made reason. Um, <laughs> I mean, a lot of it, I think, is me hoping that all of those things you listed won't be true for the next race <laughs> hopefully i'll see a race where mercedes aren't dominant and ferrari do do a good job and the tv coverage actually does show me some interesting stuff but i don't know it's just it's just what i've loved getting up to watch for the last god knows how many years i've been watching it so yeah i can't it, imagine it not ma- doing it at this point it just makes me forget about all the misery in my life <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. It brings a lot of mine out, to be honest. <laughs> Keep it light. <laughs> uh, what do I love about Formula One? That's, it's an interesting question, that. And there is a lot to love about Formula One. Um, for me, it's it's all, it's all not necessarily about the the battle for the lead of the race or the battle for the championship. It's all those, like other rivalries through the field and that I think that's what we're trying to in some of the in these episodes these preview episodes that's what we're sort of trying to get across at the moment is there's lots of other battles going through the field it's not just about Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas you know it's about Kevin Magnussen and Roman Grosjean as teammates and and the and the politics between those two and the difficulties yeah. that each driver faces through a season and 
you, again, another reason why we're doing these storylines is because there's so many stories that unfold throughout the season that it's impossible to to to, to see them all unfold before your eyes. But it's nice to pay attention to particular ones and and just watch them unfold and keep track of them. And that's yeah, the racing's great. It's exciting to watch people going fast in cars. But again, like. If you needed something extra to pull you in, then for me, that's that's what it is at the moment. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, next question is from Nate Hayt, who says, question, do you ever see Williams getting <laughs> back into title contenders or is the team always going to be stuck in their old stubborn ways and settling for mid-table at best? Personally, I think in this era of the sport, unless we get somewhere with the spending cap, um, implementations that another non-manufacturer title or at least a, a sort of a lead-backed team is not going to win anything like that. Like, it's going to be Ferraris, Mercedes, a team like Red Bull who at the time were backed by a team who left them to go be a manufacturer or a team like the old McLaren that were backed by Mercedes engines and with a lead team for that Mercedes engine, things like that. Mm-hmm. I think without that, you're not going to win a title in this day and age unless the spending caps come in and it seriously levels the playing field and, and lets those teams compete a little more effectively against the big manufacturers. Yeah, what we were talking about earlier is what teams like Williams need, really. Which, yeah. again, it looks like th- things are moving in that direction. I think enough people recognise that that's what the sport needs for it to to go that way. It's, if you're specifically talking Williams, I think they will. I think they will get through it. I think the problem they've got is aero. It's it's not necessarily the the rest of the car. They've got the Mercedes engine, you know, and... They seem to have okay mechanical grip. It's the aero that's letting them down. They've had this problem for a few seasons. So, you know, last season we saw detachment happening in in Silverstone and it was catapulting the cars into barriers. So it's definitely an aero issue they've got. Um, And if they can get on top of that, then they'll be right back in the mix. And, you know, we might... might, I, I still have faith in Williams. I think we might get to, say... Spa next this this season, and you know after the summer break, and see them do something because they're not their problems don't seem to be financial as we've said before. They seem to be no sort of in the design of the car rather than in the finances behind the team because they're bringing updates and stuff. So you know, um, I think they will get back into it. I'm speaking with emotion there, probably more than my head, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's not problems you can't design your way out of. Exactly. Put it that way. Drew Wright says, is this year's Monaco Grand Prix going to see some of the midfield drivers have a chance at running at the front? I don't think it will happen, but would be cool to see Danny Rick have a chance. Um, yeah, I think we've covered that one, but yeah, uh, it'd be, it, I really want to see Danny Rick have a chance as well. Um, if anyone can have a chance in a not great card. Danny Rick's probably should have made him a driver to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, your boy Danny so, might be in with a chance. He, he definitely needs one of the top teams to have a, a qualifying disaster or a, yeah. a collision at the start of the race or something. Though I think, I think the furthest down you're going to get is probably a Red Bull that like we've already talked about for yeah. that one. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, Charlotte Taylor says, is a team leader what Ferrari is lacking? When Vettel was announced as a Ferrari driver, I was expecting him to be a Schumacher figure, bring the team together to produce results and championships, and it isn't happening. Do Ferrari need to find a driver with those qualities? I'm not... I'm not sure drivers are Ferrari's biggest issue right now, to be honest. I can see, I, I can see the point, like, you do get these drivers that build a team around them. Although I don't think that happens so much these days. Yeah, it, Vettel's definitely not the same class as Schumacher in terms of. Schumacher kind of went to the team with ability to improve the team, I think. And Vettel is more... <laughs> He will have a car built around him and, and make sure the car works for him. I don't think it, he can improve the team outside of that, as harsh yeah. as a critique that might be. I think that's maybe the difference between the two of them, which yeah, is possibly no. the point Charlotte's trying to make, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's fair. But it's like it's not like Mercedes are only successful now because Hamilton's gone there and exactly. built a team around him. Like There's lots of other drivers that in that seat would have been, also been very successful. Yeah, and Alonso never managed it at McLaren. So Exactly, yeah. Is a team leader what Ferrari are lacking? Um, they've got a team leader, it's Luca Binotto, and he's only been there for since the start of the season, so he's got a bit of work to do yet. That's true. Prove himself as a team leader, but you know he is the team leader, and he needs to do his job. <laughs> and he, and he needs yeah. to do, probably needs to be doing a better job than what he's doing, because at the minute they've not shown up. Um I don't think it's a driver's responsibility to to lead the team. I think they've got enough on their plate. And believe if you ever enter a, any form of racing, driving the car is quite enough without trying to lead <laughs> a damn team at the same time. Um, so what they need is better management. That's my answer to that. Yeah, they need an actual team leader, not a driver being a team leader. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Brooke Archer says, with Ferrari being faster along the straights, Mercedes being faster through the corners, do you think the Monaco is a guaranteed Mercedes win or Ferrari pulls something out of the bag and step up or will a wild card close the gap? Wild card. <laughs> if anything, I think uh, I, I think Ferrari are going to be dropping behind Red Bull far quicker than they're catching up Mercedes at this track. I, do, I, I want to reserve judgment on that one. I don't know. I really Because we've barely mentioned Ferrari this, this I think that says it all, to be honest. The fact that we've not said a word about them shows how little we expect of them this weekend, in honesty. Yeah, I think they're going to really struggle. I think they'll be in no man's land. I don't think that. I certainly don't think they'll win it. I don't know whether they'll be. I think it'll be. A, I think it'll be tough to call between them and the Red Bull. But um, I, I'm good. I've, I've made my mind up. I'm, I'm with Mercedes, I think Mercedes are going to be uh, going to be tough to beat this weekend. It's probably going to be another Ferrari sandwich with Verstappen in front of them and Gasly behind them, isn't it? Probably. I yeah. think so. Yeah, I think so. Cool. Ferrari, the meat in a Red Bull sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Cosgrave says, "After your exploits of the oh god, after your exploits at the weekend, which team will be the first to call you up to drive for them, and more importantly?" <laughs> Which one of you gets the Mercedes seat? Well, I think HRT are probably the most likely team to be calling us. Um, yeah. I think anyone's calling us up and I've got much bigger problems. Be, yeah. And there'll be pay drives as well. They'll be calling us up asking for money to come and drive. <laughs> um, uh, HRT. Yeah, no, forgotten all about trust them. Trust me, nobody is going to be calling Stu and Chris for drives after this weekend. 
we we were not that fast. And I, and the way my back's feeling, I don't think I'd want and I don't think I'd answer the phone if someone did call me. <laughs> I know. I'm I am battered and bruised today. Yeah. Need to buy more protective gear for the next time I go karting, for sure. I mean, I say more, some protective gear yeah, for when any. I go karting next time. So yeah. That's your there's Lesson your answer. learned. Um, on that note, that brings us to the end of this week's show. So thank you very much for joining us. If you'd like to stay in touch, then you can do so by following us on Twitter, which is Back of the Grid F1. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Back of the Grid. And we are on Instagram at Back of the Grid. Um, you can also head to backofthegrid.com to get in touch with us through the contact form or enter the predictions league like we talked about earlier. So register on there and submit your predictions for the chance to win. Uh, that is everything for this week. So join us next week for the review of the Monaco Grand Prix. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Uh, and then (laughs) Chris your laugh just sounded really fake then you went (laughs) I'm trying I'm desperately I'm I'm basically in a constant battle not to cough or sneeze down the microphone today so I'm having to kind of hold myself back a little bit (laughs) number one will Bottas be able to keep up the tit for tat results and keep Hamilton in his sights you can't say I say, well, one, <laughs> I'm in control of the bleeps. <laughs> the question is, will you bleep my one? <laughs> because mine was Yes, <laughs> because one. yours is a different kind. <laughs> <laughs> so about that performance, though, bro. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Smash the like microphone. It's, yeah, it's like Just your like new... Uh... punctuated your comment. Yeah, yeah. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Owen Finlay says, in the process of the Singapore Grand Prix on my F1 calendar mode, and remember how dull... What? <laughs> F1 oh calendar mode? God. I don't know where you got calendar from, because that does not say calendar. <laughs> <laughs>